Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us. It is friend of the show, Charlotte Sable. Hello. Good to be back. Uh, we are so happy to have you back on, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a very special topic today. We're going to be talking all about finding the unknown players. Regular listeners of the show know that we often reference EDH Rec to learn more about the format and help calibrate our predictions during our set reviews. Uh, it's definitely the best source of publicly available data on Commander, but it's got some flaws. And so we're going to talk a bit about those flaws today and how we can identify other potential data sets that are going to help fill in the gaps left by EDH Rec. So if you, if you guys want to jump in, what are some of the issues with EDH rec as a, as a lens for viewing the format? Kind of how this all started was we, we were doing interviews with the Council of Colors, as listeners might know, and they kept kind of shrugging off data from EDH rec. And I was really curious why. And there's kind of a, I mean, there's, there's some things that I think Charlotte knows, like, and can explain it's it's enfranchised players. We'll kind of get to that, but just raw numbers. I wanted to see like raw numbers. Why don't people care about the stata and wizards, or or care as much as I think they would? And it really turns out that if you compare sales data to the data on EDH Rec, so let's just in a a world that's not the real world, but just an approximation for for science. Um, there's around four hundred thousand decks on EDH Rec right now that are being scrubbed for data. It's more than that, but let's just say each of those decks has one person who uploaded it. So there's a little over 40,000 people putting decks on EDH Rec. Compare that to just sales of product, which is in the millions. It's 34.6 million players worldwide that are purchasing products, that are purchasing Mm -hmm. sealed products, decks, commander decks, challenger decks, all that kind of stuff. So that's like not even 1% of players who are uploading their decks to edh rec and that's that's huge that's a huge difference and i think on average the average person who has decks on edh rec's deck on edh rec has more than one deck Mm -hmm. and you know like there's you know a certain degree of power users and then Mm -hmm. the number of people that probably have one deck on edh rec is probably actually quite low yeah, because for every person with like one or two decks on EDH Rec or like tapped out or whatever, there's someone like me and Nick who have hundreds. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's really going to throw off that right. that calculation. So kind of that being said, what are some takeaways other than just the, the smallness? Like what what do we do? Like how do we what are some things we can do to like find these people who are buying cards but not like posting about it it's not just an issue that um edh rec is a small percentage it's i think a bigger issue is the fact that it's not representative um yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like what are some of the ways that like the edh rec you know sample differs from like the magic playing population as a whole mm-hmm. right I mean, I think honestly, the very act of putting a deck list online puts you already probably in the top, you know, two or three yes. percent of EDH players. Like, I know people that have, you know, dozens of decks and whatever, but, you know, 99 percent of them don't put their decks online, right? Like, 
it takes a certain amount of invested online person to do that. And, you know, even people who, you know, take wizard surveys and whatever are going to be not necessarily the kind of person that, you know, like you're already, you're basically, if you look at EDH rec or any decklist site, you're already, you're basically skimming the top percent of what's already the top percent of engaged players. Right. So yeah, exactly. At least in my opinion. Right. Not necessarily the most competitive players, but, you know, I bet you 90% of Magic players out there have never even, you know, typed out the name of their commander, let alone, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think about this a lot. There's, I think when you're on Magic Twitter or you're on forums or Reddit, um, you forget sometimes that uh, that bubble of like passionate magic players isn't everyone you forget that your play group of people who like really care about the game who maybe pre-pandemic you'd meet up once a week and that was like what you would do to like relax like mm-hmm. aren't every magic player and, no, exactly. and and there's some anecdotes that i've gotten over my life about um casual players that really stuck out to me like looking into this episode and looking at the sales data and stuff of friends who are like, Oh yeah, I have a deck and, but I never known that. And I'd known this person for six years and you're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Like that's interesting. So I think it is an important point for people like us to internalize that there are people who don't read Mara's article every Monday, like incessantly. And there there are people who don't, choose to engage to the level that we are and if you're listening you are as well mm-hmm. yeah i want to like circle back to something you said charlotte like just looking at the deck lists on edh rec i wouldn't say it's like all extremely competitive but i'd say that based on what i see like looking at the average deck list looking at the types of cards being recommended the types of decks that like edh rec is going to encourage you to build kind of fall within the seven to ten range and it's mm-hmm. not going to capture people with like stock pre-cons or yeah. theme decks or like just decks assembled from cards people already own. Like those mm-hmm. people who have never typed out their commander's names, who who have never touched a deck building website. Yeah, those are yeah. for sure not being uh, represented in the data. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the issue with like EDH rec not being representative of like the commander community as a whole is... Mm-hmm that it's less focused on like the thematics thematic decks and the battle cruiser gameplay that really popularize the format and i think it it does skew towards the more powerful end of the format so mm-hmm. so i can understand why like you know wizards of the coast or the rules committee might question the validity of its data um, right. but Charlotte, i want to get your input what are some ways we can get more information on the full spectrum of commander how can we go beyond edh rec and sort of fill in the gaps that it has in its data i mean i think the biggest way if we were to do such a thing would be to actually like to talk to people more directly like you know wizards does occasional surveys which is where they catch some of this data would be nice if they would say have a section of okay do you play commander uh, you know, and then if so, there's like a little breakout sub survey or something, or it even just asks about specific card use or how many decks you have or how often you play, sort of thing, right? Like, I know they collect 
like generalized play data, but I don't think they break it down by format or anything. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think honestly, if it's going to be collected, it would need to be by wizards or you know once say command fests, magic fests return through there. But even then, you're only hitting the invested portion of this of the community that's going to go to those events, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think even putting something through spell table would probably be decent. But again, even that's, you know, just just the top end of things, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, I don't know if we want to move to spell table just yet, because I definitely have some some things to say about that. But I do yeah. want to say that wizards collecting data, um, I think other digital card games kind of do that automatically. It's like built into the the interface. And I yeah. know that they do that with Magic Online, and I know that they do it with Arena. Mm-hmm. So, like, they can actually see, like, how many games are being played in standard with this. Or, like, in their Brawl queues, they can they can look mm-hmm. at, at card data specifically, like, granularly. Yeah. Um, so, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that Wizards would be able to uh, kind of figure out ways to get this data from other things like spell table (laughs) um Mm. if we want to if we want to move into that because spell table is kind of the savior of magic over covid in a lot of ways especially savior of commander certainly yeah commander and could and does have a lot of applications that they could kind of like jam in there you know like yeah to to pick up cards and card data and stuff like that because mm-hmm. the thing about spell table that's really surprised me is uh as it's saved commander it's also not just the hyper enfranchised people who are using spell table to play with their friends anymore it's kind of just yeah, trickling down yeah yeah, yeah. That's fair. yeah so i think it would although not be perfect because you still have to be wanting to play enough to have mm-hmm. logged on made like a wizard's account stuff like that it is a broader selection of players, I would imagine, just compared right. to if you're uploading a deck list, which is a very yeah. like focused. But even just sort of scraping what commanders have been entered, how frequently, mm-hmm. um, what cards... Oh, I, I don't know that you necessarily want to look at what cards the <laughs> card reader identifies, because then there's going to be a huge uptick in like beta savannas and you know, yes. blank world championship deck cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, but like the cards people type and search for, mm-hmm. you know. I can't believe yeah. I'm losing to my friend's deck of all beta islands. This is insane. This <laughs> <laughs> <crazy. Yes>. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I like that idea. I like the idea of pulling from spell table because it's something that could be done pretty passively. It, it doesn't require people to enter the data themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest issue with pulling from deck building websites is that it's kind of a chore for, for most people. And like, uh, you know, it really places a, a big burden on players just to be represented. And so it's, uh, as you guys have said, it's it's only the most enfranchised people who are going to want to bother to go through that work. Right. And then again, how many decks from deck building websites like uh, EDH Rec or whatever are actual physical decks and how many of them are just conceptual or, you know, an idea someone had or, you know, Mm -hmm. what if I added this to this deck? Or I know a lot of people also will use decks on those, you know, decks on those sites as collection trackers or 
mm-hmm. whatever else, right? You know, this is my trade binder deck, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let me just send you the link, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's an excellent point. I, I know that a, a lot of the decks we build just for for the show are in some ways a bit more competitive than what we actually play in our playgroups, yeah. just because <laughs> we're sort of interested in like, you know, what's the best version of this deck look like? Or, or like, <laughs> what is the most unique version of this deck? And so like, we'll include combos or things that maybe are a little bit less pro-social. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so again, like EDH rec is, is not... For many people, it's like a place for your thought experiments rather than like a real representation of the format. I think that's something that I've come around to also where I I very much was of the mind that like any data is better than no data. And now I think I'm a little bit more on the this data is good for some things, but I'm I do think it's possible to get a more complete picture, even if it's just semi-complete than like a portion of 1% complete, you know, right. like, like I think there's a way to, to get more data and that's the data that we should be chasing and looking for. It's just, I think as we're going to talk about here, like there's some solutions that kind of just ask a lot of people. Like there's something that I've seen online of like getting like the CAG members to run surveys, but that's like, that's asking a lot of you, mm-hmm. all, you know. I, and also, you know, a money and time component. It's like we're busy people. Right? It's, a, it's like, like you have lives, yeah. and so, so I I understand. Yeah. Like in theory, you all could do that, but I I think reasonability like is also mm-hmm. a question when it comes oh, yeah, to stuff definitely. like that. Like, what is actually a reasonable way to collect the data? And, mm-hmm. Um, I think making it as easy as possible, like Nick was saying, with like the passive things, the spell table, or like you said, like scraping the data of like what commanders are input, like even something as simple as that will Mm -hmm. yield better results than expecting people to to do that for us. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of said, there's other places that people play. Like spell table has been the kind of like premier like webcam way mm-hmm. to play for like physical cards but there are other engines there's other systems what should i yeah. what should we even what do we call yeah them? Like sure simulators? um pl- platforms platforms there you go yeah so in addition to like these official wizards platforms in spell table and magic online um, there also are some popular unofficial magic platforms uh cockatrice being probably the best example. So Cockatrice is an open source cross-platform virtual tabletop for card games, um, primarily used for Magic. Uh, And one thing that's like really interesting about it, uh, so in the course of playing, like you are uh, loading your your deck list. And so I think it could be reasonable um, to to scrape that information and potentially uh, provide that as a resource for the community. But one thing that's really interesting about like Cockatrice data, as opposed to Magic the Gathering Online or even Spell Table, is that there's no barrier between players and cards. Like wh- when you're building a deck on Cockatrice, it's not your Cockatrice collection. It's just every card in Magic. Right. Right. It's price agnostic, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, how do you both think that what Commander would look like 
when when there's no prices involved exactly like how's that going to affect this again in the same in the same vein i think looking at you know like magic online for that data as well because a lot of cards that are ridiculously expensive or very scarce in paper are quite cheap on magic online true and then of course cockatrice has no costs at all i still think cockatrice maybe hits a slightly broader swath of the community than something like just a deck building site but at the same time i still feel you know you are still hitting only that high percentage of people that are you know willing to take the time to actually input their deck and whatnot i don't know i mean i think it's interesting i think it's certainly going to show that there are quite a number of expensive cards that people would like to play with if not for the price right yeah definitely like i mean who who among us wouldn't want to put you know gaia's cradle or you know misha's workshop or whatever in a deck right like yeah in every green or artifact deck or whatever you know like yeah exactly or even just having like perfect mana in all your decks being able to put duels and shocks yeah exactly yeah the whole whole yeah whole thing exactly I think actually, honestly, if you could apply that to the broader community, I think you'd still see that not everyone is playing those super expensive cards. A lot of people would still be playing the fun cards. Like not everyone would be playing, you know, Mana Crypt or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jeweled Lotus. Force of Will or, you know, Mana Drain yeah. or whatever. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like the, these cards exist, but you're not just shoving them in every deck that you can because... Yeah, exactly. Because then... You don't get to play the other, other <laughs> card that's yeah more flavorful. Exactly, like because at some point it's like if it's like okay, well if I put you know all the staples in my deck, then I have no room for a deck, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's like I have a commander and maybe five cards that res- express its theme, and then I just have the best cards in these colors, right? Especially if you get it as you're getting into like three plus filler decks, right? So. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. I, I run into that a lot where like I'll have the the choice of this one card that's kind of a staple effect that's just good. So maybe it's just like uh some counter spell or something. Or I could run Familiar's Ruse because it like synergizes in Nabon or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, well do I wanna put in Yeah, this, exactly this whatever good counter spell or do I wanna put in this yeah. one that's a little bit worse it doesn't work all the time if there's been a board wipe but like synergizes with the deck a little bit mm-hmm. more. so it it just is a tension that i think people put forward in their deck building in real life that doesn't necessarily always show up online charlotte one thing i want to ask you about is as a member of the cag as someone who you know has a a bit more of a, a closer relationship with wizards do you all have more opportunities to see some of the proprietary data that they're collecting through magic online or through spell table uh the CAG certainly doesn't see it i don't know if the rc is privy to that data they probably would be if they asked to some degree but i haven't heard anything specifically to that i can ask at the next meeting but i think certainly it would be it's worth checking out just like here's, you know, the top hundred commanders people have played on spell table, right? Or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be really fascinating to see like how data from other sources matches up with EDH rec because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I spend so much time on EDH rec. We talk about it so much like that's sort of 
how my understanding of the format has crystallized. And so I'd love to be able to sort of challenge yeah. those assumptions with, with more valid data. I mean, I don't think it's going to be wrong per se. It's probably skewed in some direction, but mm -hmm. I think the generalities of it are probably mostly correct, but it's hard to say, honestly. And like, again, I mean, on a broader sense, who knows, you know, obviously any individual play group or store or whatever is going to have a different sort of assortment of decks and players. But yeah, on, on a larger scale, it'd be interesting to see, certainly. Something that I think is interesting in, in Sheldon's uh, State of Commander article kind of touched mm -hmm. on this is I think, obviously, like, the CAG is here now and mm -hmm. you're all helping them out. But the fact that he had uh, blurbs from other people within the community, I thought was a really interesting thing to include on the state of commander mm -hmm. update. Cause I think that really does show like, not only are they looking to you all on the CAG, but they're looking, they are probably like working with other people in a way that they didn't necessarily make it clear <laughs> beforehand, you know? So I, th I thought yeah. that was actually an interesting um, point. I can put that in the, the show description if people want to read the that article. Yeah, it was uh, a very interesting read, certainly. Mm -hmm. Charlotte, I wanted to ask you something. As a representative of the, the judge community, how do you see like the future of judging? Because like spell table, you know, doesn't really have like a rule system built in. And a lot of people, the way people are playing magic is further away from judges like they're, they're not going to stores as often they're not going to large conventions where judges are always handy since the pandemic started what is the the role of judges been and how are we going to transition as uh you know hmm. vaccines become more widely available again we'll have to see what the new post uh covid magic scene looks like certainly i mean obviously judges will still be there when events start running and we'll be doing the same stuff we did before i certainly imagine just in general the uh, judge community is gonna have a fair amount of uh loss in general just people that have moved on to other things during the pandemic and whatnot um but as for a judge's role at the moment, uh, certainly our roles are falling more back into being a community person, uh, someone people can reach out to online and ask questions and the like. That's both my personal experience and what I hear from a lot of people. I get questions from people on various discords and my friends lists and whatever saying, hey, we're playing a game and this happened. Is that right? And I'm like, yep. Or no, or yeah, it's complicated. Um, but yeah, so again, I don't know. I think honestly, like judging, like magic is definitely changed. Magic isn't going to be the same as it was beforehand. Like a certain percentage of magic more now is going to stay online, even with paper cards, even with you know, just more events being run through arena mm -hmm. and what have you. Or even, like, I, I know that there have been some uh, tournaments even run through Spell Table or other, yeah. you know, video sources, you know, for, like, Modern or whatever, right? Like, you just play over video and you have a judge spectate or whatever. And, like, you know, that, really, that works at a smaller scale. But, I mean, certainly digital judging is going to become more of a thing. Um, there's already initiatives in that respect it's a certainly a different paradigm and a different sort of skill set but 
at the same time, I mean, people are still anxious to get back to judging. And at, yeah. at the core of things, judges are people who want to help their communities, and that hasn't changed. Right. So we're going to find the ways to be involved in our communities that we can be when this is all said and done. Well, that's great. And we really appreciate you, you know, being a, a rules resource. I've definitely yeah. uh, made yeah, use absolutely. of your, your talents absolutely. on numerous occasions. I can't wait for things to get back toward a more normal situation because mm-hmm. yeah. it's always a little, you know, intimidating to to message someone out of the blue to ask for a rules question. Whereas like if you're at an event, there's a judge yeah. there. It's judge. You know, yeah, exactly. Like that's the, yeah, the more there, normal being role. Paid to be there for the most part. So. Exactly. You know, you're not interrupting someone's dinner. Can I ask a question to, to both of you? Like, do you think that we're going to get events to the same scale that we did before like not even like let's say it's like two years from now people aren't as worried about covid or like vaccines are widely distributed and we can have big events do you think that they'll fire off the same like do you think we're gonna have like command fests and and magic fests to the same scale as we used to i mean not at first i think i think things will ramp up again Mm -hmm. and i think probably like There'll be either I, I can see a couple of different options. I can see things being a little more regional, mm. like you have, say, maybe more smaller sort of events, you know, say like a hall for a thousand people as opposed to a hall for, you know, 3000 people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, a 300 person main event, a 300, you know, a 400 person command zone, whatever. Right. Like yeah. still a lot of people, but it's not on the scale of, you know, GP Vegas or what have Those, you. Right? Yeah, all the old ones that used to fire off. Yeah. I think we're not going to see massive events again for a while. Again, I think it'll have to ramp up and we'll have to see what the new normal is. Cause again, yeah. it's going to take a while for people to get vaccinated for, you know, travel infrastructure to get back up and running and mm-hmm. just live events infrastructure. I mean, ideally, those people want to work again, and it'll still be there, but it's still, you know, like, who knows what new regulations there'll be for large events. Like, right now, people are still in just survival mode. I'm sure there's probably going to be changes to, you know, assembly laws and that sort of stuff, right? Like, more of a reduced capacity sort of thing. I think there's certainly a good percentage of people that will just continue wearing masks in you know, high density situations, right? So I think, you know, you're more likely to see someone in a mask at a command fest sort of thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. especially since people, you know, have them now, so. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, there's going to be folks who, you know, may not be able to get the vaccine for whatever reason, for medical reasons. Like there's going to be people who are not going to be able to rejoin magic fest the the way that some other people are oh exactly and again you know just like there's going to be some number of judges that leave the community there's people there's people that leave will leave you know either paper magic or in-person magic for the most part Mm -hmm. you know yeah but i think that you know people are really itching to get back together i I do think long term that there is going to be a return to magic fest and really what i see is like the big change is digital magic and how that is played i think that digital magic isn't really going to displace these like large in-person gathering large person events Mm -hmm. but being forced to use spell table to scratch your commander itch taught people how to use it and and made the resource widely known so that Mm -hmm. there's going to be people more people using those types of 
platforms in the future than otherwise would have. That's actually, I think, one of the coolest things about the happenings, the commander happenings throughout the pandemic is it actually like showed people how global the commander community is because you can log on to a command fest and you're playing with someone from Brazil or someone from Italy or, you know, like it was actually really cool to be able to like interface with people who maybe couldn't just physically because of money or distance or job mm-hmm. gone to one of these large events in in person and all of a sudden you're here you're all in your living rooms and you can actually have a conversation yeah you exactly. can play a game and actually see like oh okay like this this person from spain is telling me all about like their day as like they're destroying me with their mardu deck <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, this is actually pretty cool <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I certainly, I certainly think there's something to be said for the convenience of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to to be able to like, I'm on enough different servers of people looking for games that I can probably find a game within like 20 minutes most days mm-hmm. at whatever time. Um, and if that's nice, you know, since you know. Like normally, you know, when my game shop, when my local game shop is open, you know, it's open, you know, from like 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. And like, if I want to play Commander outside those hours, then tough luck, you know. And even if I'm there wanting to play Commander, there's not always, you know, three other people there wanting to play Commander, sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I certainly think, at least for me personally, assuming the volume of spell table players remains, you know reasonable i mean i certainly will be playing still probably more spell table commander than in person commander because you know i'll maybe go to my lgs one or two days a week but i'll still be playing you know on spell table you know another two or three days a week probably or more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i and think I, that is crazy that's that is it's just the convenience of it exactly like and also just the ability of like you know if i'm going to my lgs to play commander it's like an all-day affair right i'm going probably close to when they open or as soon as i can get there staying until they close you know get in like three four five games you know maybe not like nothing against people at my lgs but maybe not necessarily play against you know styles of decks that i particularly enjoy but you know whatever Whereas this, it's like I can play one game. If I don't like the people I'm playing with, I can, you know, hop out, find either find a different game or stop playing or whatever, right? I don't know. It's interesting, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of talking about all this like digital versus in-person, it kind of brings me back to thinking about like there's the community, the content creators, the people who interact with them, like the engaged players they're still the people who are going to be like going to these command fests. They're the people who signed up for the online ones and all that kind of stuff. Do you think like it would be reasonable for, I I know they kind of already do it now, but do you think it would be reasonable for wizards to put more effort or more like token cards with like, Oh, fill this out. Or like, if you fill this out, you get a free thing or something that would like incentivize players who might not go to a command fest to participate and like submit, data yeah i could i could certainly see that or like instead of like you know or like say the the codes that come in pre-release kits or whatever certainly rather than having that you know point here just enter this code right into arena 
you know, say, go take this survey, you know, and here's a key. And then, you know, you do this short survey and, you know, you even make it all, even make some or all of it optional. Yeah. And still spit out the packs on the other end for the person. But like the fact is once some amount of people, once they're there are going to, you know, fill in your survey. Right. So. Uh, I'm really excited for the possibility of machine learning image recognition. Like that's that's sort of what the the spell table folks are uh, most known for. I think that there's opportunities there to like make data collection a lot simpler, even for folks who are going to Magic Fest. Like just imagine instead of like filling out a, a deck list sheet or like filling out some online form and entering a hundred cards. What if you just like spread out your cards, took a picture of it, sent that in, and then just mm-hmm. something is able to to recognize based on the card name, um, based on right. the border color, what exactly you're playing. Anything like that that could reduce the the burden on players would be a really good innovation. Yeah, I mean they they'd already had started doing stuff like that with like limited uh, grand prix before the pandemic. They'd started doing uh, pre-registered pools mm-hmm. that basically people basically open packs, lay them out, take a picture, make sure it was legible, assign a code, you know, based on the timestamp to the pool, put a, you know, make a sticker, stick it on the sheet, you know, and go from that. And so if you're deck checking, you pull up that image and there you go, right? For oh. the, uh, for the pool anyway. And then you're only registering a 40 card deck, which is a much simpler affair sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, they, they have been, you know, doing the things with the machine readable text at the bottom of cards for a while now, right. Yeah. Since I'm 15. So certainly there's probably things that could be done with that. If they had a centralized card reader app or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the things that's always blown my mind is that, for as long as I've played Magic, Wizards hasn't utilized that technology. Like, I if I want to like scan a card or look up a card or something like that, it's usually a third party platform on my phone or computer or something mm-hmm. that is doing that. And even when Gatherer was kind of the the main way to look up cards, like what like a decade ago or something, it's still only barely scratched that itch in some ways like the it it was able to tell me like about the card but that was all it could do like the the fact that i couldn't interface with it i thought was very interesting or the fact that like wizards wasn't using their database of cards and like investing in this technology was interesting because that's a lot of data for them that i figured they would want and now that we're like discussing this topic it seems like a wizard's app that you put on your phone that can scan cards or give you rulings on cards or like track your collection that just seems even if they charge like five bucks a month for it that seems like something that would like help them you know <laughs> like be able to look up a lot of this data and yeah exactly playing and obviously it would be better if it was free but it's just I, it's really interesting to me that they haven't capitalized on on that i guess mm-hmm yeah, I mean, and even just in a uh, third-party sense, it'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't think Scryfall necessarily releases data, but it would be interesting to see what are the most searched cards on Scryfall. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, either specifically, like what are the most clicked through, what are the ones that fall into the most searches. You know, 
that people make sort of thing, right? What mm-hmm. sort of searches, like what terms do people search for the most, that sort of thing. I mean, I'm sure they have the data. It's just, you know, again, I don't know how much of that they want to release because, you know, at that point you're getting into proprietary data. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly data out there from companies. I think that would be more, forth- more forthcoming with it than Wizards might be, right? Although, I mean, Wizards is, of course, the one we want to hear from because they're so forthcoming with a lot of other aspects of the game right yeah for, for which we could we should feel lucky because there's a lot of other games out there where basically people never hear from the company that makes the game like they yeah. release the set they release a band announcement that's it right like yeah. and then back in the shadows yeah <laughs> yeah no we are fortunate in that way but i think that there would be a lot of benefit if wizards were to be a little bit more rather a little less reticent about the data that they're collecting. I think that, you know, as content creators, my view is like EDH rec is commander, like the decks represented there is what the format looks like, because that's what I'm seeing. And so that's sort of like how I'm gearing my thought process, like, oh, you should be playing this, because that's what I'm seeing on EDH rec. And I think that like, to get a better idea of like, the audience that is available for more casual, more thematic, less visible types of decks would make it so that, you know, as content creators, we can just make more of what people like. Exactly. And kind of to to repeat this point, I just think it would help Wizards too. Like Mm -hmm. they are the people making the cards, knowing like what people are playing with, knowing what formats look like. That's helped them with competitive. And there's Mm -hmm. no reason it shouldn't help them with the premier way to play casual commander right. like the biggest format or just the premier way to play magic these days mm-hmm. right exactly like, if yeah. someone says they play magic more likely than not it, it's commander right like, yeah exactly so exactly i mean i certainly think that hopefully wizards will will trend in that direction certainly mm-hmm. again like again we'll see what the what the post covid world looks like but i think certainly if if the future of magic is commander then certainly some resources that were previously been more focused towards say competitive play and you know high level tournament play and that sort of stuff I could see some of that being focused towards getting commander players more data, more resources. I certainly think their acquisition of spell table is a good sign in that direction. Yeah, definitely. So fingers crossed that, you know, there's more things to help this side of the community because like nothing against competitive players, 60 card players, 60 card formats are how I started playing magic and they're fun and fine. And, you know, it's a, it's a perfectly valid and good way to play magic, but you know, I mean, Commander has eclipsed that for the most part, and oh yeah, Wizards hasn't really given much to this side of the community beyond you know a few pre-constructed decks and whatnot. So it'd be nice to see more. You yeah. know, not to say Wizards hasn't given anything. It's just in the way, in the terms of you know non-card resources, right? Yeah. Like support. I mean, they do. They give plenty of metagame breakdowns and whatever for their tournaments and stuff, yeah. but they never. You know, when's the last time you saw any data related to Commander? released of course or like it'd be great to have the opportunity to play multiplayer on arena that's something that would really enable like more commander style gameplay on like what is now the biggest digital platform Mm -hmm. yeah my guess is like now that wizards has split into like a subsidiary like yeah that we're gonna get 
some of that like or, my... or rather that they're now a division oh sorry yeah now yeah. that they're a division and not a subsidiary i get that wrong every time um that we they are probably going to get more resources to do stuff like that and i mm. really do hope that they're at least thinking about or trying to start developing a platform that maybe i know like arena couldn't handle it but like something that you log on to play the multiplayer format it has like a chat function or something like yeah, that. You know, like exactly. something more conducive to multiplayer mm. play because right now i just don't think they're even looking at that for arena just because arena doesn't it doesn't have a chat function they like sell emotes that's like one of the things that like can incentivize you to like buy the the mastery pass and stuff is that like you can get this emote and it's a little hedron guy like blowing a kiss at you and you're like yeah. this is that's how you're selling me this is is yeah like the way yeah. interacting with my opponent yeah commander does not work without communication yeah you're like why did that why did player three blow me a kiss with the little hedron man what's going on yeah no it just isn't gonna work the same so i yeah. really do hope in the future we see that kind of platform and i mean and i certainly understand why they don't want a full chat on a competitive 1v1 format you know oh, certainly yeah. Yeah, anyone who has played any video game <laughs> yeah. with a chat function, probably. Mm-hmm. But so, but in multiplayer, like communication is such a huge part of multiplayer magic. Like, be it politics or just in general, like, hey, you might maybe want to, you know, blow that up instead of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Also, like... I think that one benefit of having chat is just like you sort of allow more moderation for mm-hmm. players who would abuse it. Yeah. Like like yeah. right now you just have to deal with the annoyance of somebody saying like good game, uh-huh. good game, good game. Yes, good game. exactly, exactly. But if you kind of like open it up so that that the players who are going to be antisocial can do so, then you sort of allow the trash to take itself out because you yeah. can just report them and okay, now their account is banned. Yeah. And, as opposed yeah. to just like annoying every single person they play against with emote mm-hmm. spam. And I think that that's something that a multiplayer client would help with too, is that if there's one person who's kind of taken a dump on the game and three people who are trying to have a good time, three reports on the one person is going to look a lot stronger yeah, than that's just fair. like, you in a 1v1 or like the table could be like hey man calm down no gamer language at the table like let's be civil about this as opposed to mm-hmm. a 1v1 chat format where you can you could get into some yeah some <laughs> some mm-hmm. bad stuff so i think there is a self-regulating aspect to multiplayer chat that there is not in a 1v1 competitive like you mentioned charlotte although there's certainly opportunities for gang ups which isn't good it's, mm-hmm. That is also true. That the converse is also true. But um, I would hope that I would hope that commander players are are uh, in general there to have a good time and not yeah. to, to it, poo on one person. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, in one v one, somebody can convince themselves that like every single person they've been paired with is a butthole. But if if they're in like a four person game and the other three players are all providing them the same kind of feedback, they may start to question, am, am I the right. butthole? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, it goes from 50% to 75%. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We've covered a lot of topics and 
things and areas mm -hmm. of magic that I think are really interesting. But mm -hmm. is there anything else that either of you would want to mention, whether it's about like the future of magic or like how to find these players or like, is it, is it worth it to find these players? Like how much effort do you think we should be putting in to identify the community at large, especially for the people who like don't, maybe don't, maybe it's not so much they don't want to be found, but it's just hard to find them. They're not making it easy. I mean, I think that in general, people, I, I don't think it's difficult to increase one's engagement with Magic and Commander, right? So I think most of the people that are less engaged are that way because they want to be, mm -hmm. not because they don't know otherwise. Yeah. Right? The person who plays, you know, one game a week with his friends, you know, isn't you know, is probably pretty happy playing the one game a week with his friends, you know? Yeah. And he doesn't necessarily need or want to involve himself in discussions of ban lists or, you know, metagame or whatever, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, certainly opening more avenues for collection of data and for uh, outreach to the people who can, you know, listen and make changes to the format is never a bad thing, right? So, I mean... I mean, that's the whole reason the CAG exists. And, you know, we're always here to listen to people. And, you know, people are welcome to contact me or anyone else on the Commander Advisor Group and, you know, make uh, make their voices heard, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to ask you one thing, Charlotte. You know, yeah. as, as a member of the CAG, you do get to see a broader swath of the format than most people. Do you think that you get to see more of these less visible players than most? And how does the way that they com play Commander differ from more enfranchised folks? I see more of them, I think. I think, like, the biggest thing that I can say is just echoing something that Mark Rosewater has said, is, like, people literally play everything, right? Like, there are people who play cards that I would consider, like, draft chaff mm -hmm. and are happy with it in their decks, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, this thing is, you know, and I mean, I've been killed by several of those things. It's like, oh, this is a 4-7 with Vigilance, you know? I would, <laughs> for, like, seven mana, I'd never play it, but it's kicking my ass right now, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this 2 deck touch for three is really... Actually, get a problem. There. Yeah. yeah. Like my removal spell is minus one, minus one. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think, I think in general, like commander is vast and deep, and you know, EDH rec represents you know the upper levels, but I mean, there's a whole you know deep ocean of it that we're not necessarily seeing. But the people down there are usually happy to be down there, and. Like I think I think it's fine to sort of look at EDH rec and sites like that and you know take that as a general representation of the format just as long as we don't take it as being perfectly descriptive or prescriptive on what the format is and certain and you know like not saying you know everyone plays commander this way because it's not the case mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely well great insight there charlotte that's, that's all i wanted to know what's the the best way for folks to get in touch with you if they want to talk about commander or, or have a rules uh, question yeah best way to get in touch with me would be on twitter i'm jackal girl there jql girl i also can be found on the commander theory discord <laughs> as well as other discords plug plug I also write every other week now for commandersherald.com. So uh, your articles have been just so good so far. I'm so, I'm like, thanks. Yeah. 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 
thanks thanks that's the, was the best way to find me and yeah please get in touch happy to listen about anything and always happy to you know hear and talk and share yeah okay it's all good times mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no i mean i the cag is really lucky to have someone like you who like like care so much about the community but all and has the depth of knowledge and all that stuff so we're, we're happy to mm-hmm. have you on to talk and we're happy that we get to talk to you as much as we do <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, it's always fun to have you on so yeah yeah it's been a pleasure charlotte thank you so much for coming back on the show and uh it's it's been exciting to to see your new article series and definitely we encourage our listeners to go and check them out mm-hmm. yeah thanks i guess goodbye for now bye yeah thank you for listening if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.